0: And Jonah, and we have seen already Jonah's rebellion and how he did not obey God, he did not listen to God. We are halfway through this book. We have finished the first two chapters, and we are going to start with chapter three this morning. But to really look at chapter three, we have to go back, as we have done many times in this series already. Every Sunday morning, I believe that each sermon could stand on its own, whether you heard All the sermons, or haven't heard any of the sermons, I think that each sermon could stand on its own, but then they begin to fit together like puzzle pieces. The more we dive into this book, the clearer things become, and and the more we repeat some things that we've already heard, they begin to take on a new light. And this morning, we will revisit something that was said earlier in the book, but the basic summary of what's happened here is that God told Jonah to do something, Jonah didn't just say no. He went in the opposite direction of where God told him to go. God gave him opportunities to repent. He did not take those. God brought some judgment through a storm, and um, he ended up. Jonah ended up being thrown overboard by the sailors on the boat and cried out to God for help. And God sent a fish that might seem like judgment at first, but Jonah was about to drown when the fish ate him. I should say, swallowed him, then it was actually rescue. Then Jonah had some time to think about his choice in the belly of the fish before the fish vomited him up. That's where we are. That's what we've been looking at. And this morning we're going to look at the fact that when God gives a second chance, we should take it. Okay? When God gives a second chance, take it. There are many times in life when we have second chances, third chances, a hundred chances then there are times in life where we don't get a second chance. We don't get to choose when we get the second chance or if we get the second chance, but when we get a second chance, then we need to take it. And of course, I'm talking about a a chance at obedience, a chance at doing what God desires, a chance at um, living life the way that he desires in a way that honors him in a way that not only is good for us, but it's good for all the people around us. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning, but before we get into the scripture, um, let's say a word of prayer, and we'll begin. Lord, we love you. As I look at Jonah's life, I cannot help but think of myself. Lord, how many times have you asked me to do something, uh, commanded it in your word, I've known better for a long time, and yet I still continue to do wrong, and you continue to give me chances. Lord, I pray that this morning that... For those of us in this room who will get a second chance, that we'll take it. Lord, I pray for those of us in this room who won't get a second chance, Lord, that you would uh, give us grace, give us mercy, be with us, and and help us to, to, to deal with that situation also. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so week by week we've been looking at Jonah, and here we are this morning looking at second chances. And so I want to tell you a little bit about second chances in my life. I can remember when I was, I can't remember if I was 14 or 15, but I had, I don't know if they still do these, but it was a hardship license, and so since I had a single mother and she worked full time, I got a license early, but I could only use it to drive to school and back, or drive to work and back, or something of that nature. I had picked up my brother from the babysitter, who was my aunt, and I was driving him home, and we were on a back road in southeast Arkansas, and It was just that time of year where the sun was setting right into the road. How many of y'all have ever... You know what I'm talking about. It's just bright. You can barely see what's in front of you. It's southeast Arkansas. If you've ever been down there, then you know that our state bird down there is the mosquito. So my windshield is completely covered with bugs. And the sun is shining and it's extremely bright. I've got my little brother in the back seat. We are going around... This curve where there's this river, and it's an it's a L-shaped curve, this was a very common path for me. I had gone across this bridge many, many, many times. On that day, I was going too fast. I was going about 30 miles per hour, but you really needed to be going about 15 miles per hour to take that L curve. I was going too fast, and my back wheels slid off the road. And I was able to get my front wheels back on, but the back wheels slid off. And uh, the back passenger side tire got caught behind the guardrail. And I didn't know. So I am i think I got, the, got control of the car, and I'm back on the road, but I didn't know that my back wheel was caught behind the guardrail. And so I began to go, and just the way it happened, it pulled my other tire back there also. And then I, we were, like, teetering. Uh, it's play it out in slow motion ever since then. Well, we're teetering on the guardrail, and we go over. And down the riverbank, we start going. And we're hitting trees, and it's just, you know, now, obviously it was just a couple of seconds, but now it feels like an eternity playing that back in my mind. And we're going down, and we're going down, and I don't know how many times we roll, um, but we land, and I look out, and we're literally... I don't even see the ground in front of us. I just see the river. We landed so close to about two feet from going in the river. And um, I immediately thanked God. I wasn't a Christian yet, but I knew enough to thank God that I was still alive. And I began to open my door, and my door wouldn't even open. It, the car had crashed down and warped it, and it was I couldn't open my door. Uh, I think of my brother and... Uh, Actually, I said he was in the back seat, but he was actually in the front seat. And I ask him if he's okay, and he doesn't respond. I look at him, and I think he's okay. He's just in shock. So I reach over him. I open the door and get out. I unbuckle him, and I pick him up. And I'm like, you've got to stand up. And he, so he's, he's standing, and I can't, I can't see where I'm at. Uh, it's not often that I find myself under bridges, that have no clear-cut areas. It's just uh, trees and brush and, and everything. And uh, I realized that I don't even know how to get back up. It's so thick. So I, I jump on top of the car to see if I can figure out a way back up the, the riverbank. And I see where the car has come down. And it's knocked down a couple of trees. And I figure, okay, that's the best path for us to take. So while I'm on the car... My little brother Jeremy says, Philip, get off the car. It's going to blow up. He's seen a little too many Bruce Willis movies. But there was this smell. If you've ever smelled an airbag back in the 90s, it it does have this very strong odor to it, like something is burning, and it was in our faces. I, I figure out, I see our path. I put my brother on my back and climb up there, and by the time we get up there, someone heard our horn going off. And they lived not too far from there. And they came, the armsmen's. They asked us if we were okay. And, and I was fine. I mean, I was very bruised and seatbelt burns and all that. But God really protected us. My brother was bleeding and he had some minor injuries. And, and so we, I just tell him, you know, I think we need to call an ambulance. I'm not sure if we're hurt or not at that point. We go back to their house. And so the woman calls an ambulance. And um, side note. I later became her pastor. I don't know what she thought of that day. I never really asked her about it too much. But, but back when I was a kid, she called the ambulance, and then I called my mom, and I said, Mom, uh, I had a wreck. I need you to come get us. And she said, Quit playing and get home, and hung up. This was before caller ID. She thought I was pulling her leg. That tells you what kind of kid I was. But anyway, the woman... Miss Alice calls her back, and she realizes this is serious, and she comes, and she sees the car, and she had talked to me, but she hung up before she heard anything about my little brother, and she sees how bad the car is, and she begins to freak out, so there's a little story. We were fine. It it was difficult to drive (laughs) if you've had a serious wreck, you know, it's difficult to drive after that for a little while, but my mom didn't give me a choice. She made me get back in, like, the day we got our new car, she made me. Brave woman, she made me get in it and start driving again, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, but I often wonder, what if I would have cleaned my windshield? What if I would have slowed down? What if I would have taken that curve with more respect? There are some times in life where we don't get second chances, right? I remember when my grandfather, my dad's father, uh, passed away of cancer. It he. He, I knew he had a relationship with God. I knew he was saved. I knew that he was in a better place. I knew that there, there was no reason to mourn his current experience because he was in heaven. He was before the Lord. He had it way better than he could have ever had it here on earth. And I didn't regret where he was. I just regretted, regretted that I didn't do a better job of getting to know him while he was here. And so then that helped me with my other grandparents to want to get to know them, to spend more time with them and, and do a better job of that. But but there are certain situations in life where there is no second chance. We can't ignore that. When we're looking at Jonah and we're looking at the fact that he gets a second chance, I don't know why there. sometimes we get a second chance and, some, and sometimes we don't. Maybe that's another sermon for another day. But what I know is, is that when we get the second chance, What do we do with it? We take it. Turn with me to Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to read one verse here, and then we're going to rewind for a second and and look at some other verses. But in Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying. So if this is the second time, let's go back and look at the first time. Okay, so the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, so in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, for those of you who are here, you remember. If, if you weren't, then here's what it says. And I'm just going to read verses 1 through 3. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Now, the, this is the very beginning of the uh, prophecy of the book, and this is what it said. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. So here was his first chance in Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, his first chance when the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, and said, Arise, go to the city, this great city of Nineveh, um, the evil of the people. Has come up before me, meaning that you know I, it seems like they had been doing evil, and people who feared God had called out to God and said, "Hey, help! Where's justice? We need we need you to to work here." And whatever the case, however the word got to him, he told Jonah very specifically to go to Nineveh. Now, very briefly, if you, you've been here, you remember that the Ninevites, people who live in Nineveh, are the enemies of the Israelites, Jonah's people. And so this wasn't like go to your friendly neighbor and tell them, you know, how hey, you need to live life better, okay? This was go to your enemy and tell them that they need to repent because their evil has come up before God. Jonah has a need to do this. He is called to do this. This is what he should do. And yet his hatred for the Ninevites was so strong that he went in the opposite direction. God said, go here, and he goes here. And as you know, as I mentioned earlier, God brought some punishment because of his disobedience. He brought some judgment, but he also brought a second chance. And so now going back to Jonah chapter 3, I'm going to reread verse 1 in Jonah chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, Call out against it, the message that I tell you. He has a second chance. He has a second opportunity to do what he knows is right. So does he do it? Verse 2. I'm sorry, verse 3. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. Remember, the first time God said, arise, go to Nineveh, and he went to Jop- down to Joppa in order to get out of the country, Right? And so now he says, arise, and what does Jonah do in verse 3? Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Now, most of the resources I looked at didn't think that it took three days if you started in the morning and, and walked all the way till night and then slept, and then the next day did it again and the next day did it again. Uh, they didn't think it would take three days to get across it in that manner. But if you were going and talking to the people, if you were going and trying to have any sort of communication with the people, then it was going to take three days in order to do this. And so it's a three days' journey in breadth. In verse 4, Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. And he called out, Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So he comes in and. He gets straight to the point. He, he travels to the heart of the city to where he, where he feels like the best place to do this public proclamation is and he tells them that you have 40 days to repent. 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Verse 5. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast. That's where you go without food for spiritual purposes. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Sackcloth was just a, a cultural way to show remorse, to show repentance, um, to show regret. And so they, what did they do? They repented. The prophet comes took him a while to get there. He definitely didn't go in a straight line. Um, but the prophet comes. He gives them the message, and they repent. And this is, these are the verses that I want us to look at the, this morning before we leave. These are the verses that I want us to take to heart. And the first thing I want us to notice is, is that <clears throat> when the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, he took that opportunity for obedience. Think about your life right now. Think about the ways that you know that you have disobeyed God in the past. Now I want you to think about the ways that you have disobeyed God in the same way over and over again. For some of you, <clears throat> maybe. You have had an issue um, that has affected your life, a choice that you made that God had told you to do one thing and yet you did another, and that choice affected many parts of your life. And it's very open, public, where everybody knows it. Maybe for some of you, God has come to you and told you to do something and you haven't done it, and maybe not a lot of people know about it, but it's disobedience. And maybe you've hidden it well so far, but what is done in secret, God will always bring to the light. Whether it's now or on Judgment Day, the truth and the fact is, is that our sins are not secret. They might be secret from the people around us, but they're not secret, because at minimum, God knows. And oftentimes, when we sin in secret, God brings things to the light. We are living in a a day and time where there were some men, obviously not all men are in this category, but there were some men over the past several decades, maybe centuries, but we know specifically right now over the past several decades, where they have behaved poorly, to put it, Kindly, where they have made choices to treat women in certain ways um, that are despicable and evil, and now it's coming to light. And these men who thought they were getting away with something for a long, long time, now it's in the open, and they're not getting away with it. And let me tell you something if we never found out about it, they wouldn't have gotten away with it because God judges righteously. He does the right thing. All of this to say that Jonah's sin was public, right? He tried to hide it. He went down into, down to Joppa. He went down into the ship. He's trying to hide. He's trying to get away from Nineveh and keep this word of the Lord that came to him, keep it a secret and, and pretend like he, you know, he didn't hear it or doesn't know what's going on. He's, he's trying to get away from the presence of the Lord, although you can't escape the presence of the Lord. And so um, he tries to get away with it, but God made it public. When I say, when God offers you a second chance, take it, I'm not saying if you got caught in some sin and you get a second chance, take it. Yes, I am saying that, but I'm saying way more than that. I'm saying if God tells us to do something according to his word, according to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, according to something that you have learned through godly counsel or friendships or whatever the case is, if you know something is right, then you need to do it. And if you haven't been doing it and God gives you a second chance to do it, then take it. Because we never know if if we're going to get a second chance in the first place. So if it comes, be grateful. And when we get a second chance, we sure don't know if we're going to get a third chance or a fourth chance. Let's obey God. When, when, when the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, he went. And you know what? His emotions hadn't changed. He still didn't like Nineveh. He still didn't like the people. And we're going to see that clearly in the coming passages. I hope that eventually Jonah's heart got right with the Lord. I hope that eventually he came to love people who weren't Israelites uh, because that would be extremely prejudiced and sinful if all he did was love people who were like him. And I think that there's a possibility that he did change. Because we do have this story, after all, we in all of its brutal honesty, and it makes Jonah look pretty bad in several places. In that instance, he obeyed. The word of the Lord came to him again and said, go do this, and he obeyed. And so sometimes it's Jonah's life, right? Shouldn't he get to choose what he does or doesn't do? Well, yeah, we... We have some choice in the matter, but when we make bad choices, we surely can affect more people than just ourselves. I mean, if Jonah would not have gone to Nineveh, think of that great city. This is a huge city for that time, for even today, it was a huge city, yet those people would not have had an opportunity for repentance if Jonah would have not gone. And so thank God that God brought that judgment on Jonah with the storm, and he got Jonah's attention, and Jonah obeyed the second time so that this city would have a chance. It was an exceedingly great city, we find out in verse 3. And then in verse 4, Jonah went, and, and he's going to the city, and he cries out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So he gives this opportunity for repentance. He gives this opportunity for a second chance. So not only did Jonah get a second chance, but he offered the people a second chance. And so maybe you're here this morning, you have been living your life and you've been doing things your way and you've been fine up to this point or maybe you haven't been fine up to this point. But oftentimes doing things our way surely isn't the best method and it also can get us into a a heap of trouble a heap of heartache. And so when we're there, we have choices. We can turn bitter and blame God for our circumstances, for our life, for where we are in life. And that is an option that I have seen a lot of people take. And it's heartbreaking because it doesn't take anything away from God If you have a negative opinion of him, that's number one. God is amazing. He is glorious, regardless of how we think about him. He is. That's just absolute truth. God is great. God is good, regardless of what we think. So when we poison our mind with these thoughts, it's not affecting God. Who is it affecting? It's affecting us, and it's affecting the people around us. And so when we find ourselves in the belly of a fish, or when we find ourselves with a prophet yelling at us, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown, 40 days and the slaughter household shall be overthrown, 40 days and Mansfield shall be overthrown, whatever is is said to us, whatever truth is spoken to us. If we find ourselves in one of those situations, then we can say, God, I knew you were going to put me in a fish even though it was Jonah's choices that, that got him there, he could have blamed it on God. Or the Ninevites could have said, this is the God of the Israelites. He doesn't care about us. He's saying 40 days, and he's saying that, you know, he's, he's here to prophesy and give a chance for repentance, but um, this, is, this is not the God of the Ninevites. This is the God of the Israelites. So surely I'm not going to believe this prophet. I'm not going to go this way. If they would have done that, they would have been in some deep trouble. But that's not their response. They had an open heart. And even in the midst of the, for Jonah, his pain, physical pain and emotional scarring of being in the belly of a fish, and for the Ninevites, here is this enemy. I mean, can you imagine the humility that they must have had to listen to this enemy of theirs who they thought less of probably? (laughs) And he's sitting here saying 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. I mean, the temptation, if someone came to us and said 40 days and America will be overthrown, we'd laugh at them. No, we've got the strongest military around. We're going to be okay. Nineveh could have had that attitude. But they didn't. In fact, they immediately began to do something spiritual in their fasting. They immediately put on sackcloth to signify that they are repenting, that they're remorseful, that that, that they're, they regret the things that they have done. And I don't know what each individual did. And I don't know if every single person in the entire city uh, was evil, like in the days of Noah, where every heart was wicked. I don't know. But what I know is, is that God gives them an opportunity for repentance and they take it. And so this morning... We all come here from different places, we all come here with different situations and and you know we don't all get second chances. In fact, every single one of us there are things that all of us will not get a second chance on. And some of us will get second chances in the areas where others in here did the same exact things, and didn't get a second chance. And I don't understand why that is. I don't know. It doesn't seem fair. However, I trust God, and I trust that God sees things differently than I see them. And what seems chaotic and unfair to me can be perfectly fair in uh, an omniscient, all-knowing God in the way he does things. So I trust God, and I trust that if, if he gives me a second chance, or gives you a second chance, then we need to take it. And when we don't get the second chance, then we need to go to God, and we need to say, God, I don't know why this has happened. I don't know why this is happening. Or maybe we do. Maybe it was our sin that caused it. Um, And we can go to him, and we can repent if there's sin involved, and we can just trust him no matter what. Trust him to be merciful. Trust him to be gracious. Trust him to, to, to make the best out of whatever is going on. But if we get a second chance, we need to take it. Uh, when we were moving here, I told some of you uh, this story. Uh, but Rose and I, we, uh, we actually met. Rose was still in high school when we met. I was in college. And um, I just knew her at that time as the little sister of one of my friends. Then when she got to college, I was like, okay, I'm interested in this person. Uh, she's awesome. I, I got to get to know her. In fact, like one of the very first days I met her, uh, I was sitting on a couch with one of my friends, my roommate. She was walking into the BCM on campus, the Baptist Collegiate Ministry. It was actually Baptist Student Union at that time. But anyway, she was walking in, and I saw her, and I told the, my friend sitting beside me, I said, I'm going to marry her. And he said, you are insane. <laughs> You're crazy. That was, He was the first person I told I went on to tell two more people over the next few weeks that I would marry her, and they all told me I was insane, and I get it. I mean why would she marry me? but you know anyway, so then she her freshman year we were just friends i I never flirted with her or I, I had made a commitment to God that because before I was saved and before I knew Christ, uh, I was not living for him, and so I had made a commitment I was going to try to live for him. And I, I felt a lot that I was going to try to live for him. And in the area of dating, I wasn't even going to date until I was confident I could be married to a person. And then I was also financially able to provide by being mar- as while being married. Our freshman year passed, and, it, and she was going to be a sophomore, and I was going to be graduating in December. It was in the middle of the summer, and I went to her and to tell her that I was interested in her to ask if she would be willing to date a peasant like me, okay? And so I go to her. I called her, and she said, yeah, come over. And her roommate actually cooked supper for us, and I was going to, to tell her my interest. And when I got there, she said, hey, I'm glad you called because I have some great news. I was like, oh, okay, well, go ahead. You tell me your news first. And she's like, I'm transferring to Washtenaw Baptist University. And I felt like someone had punched me in my stomach. I, I was like, oh, God, I thought you spoke clearly that we were supposed to be married. I mean, no spoilers, but we ended up getting married. But at that moment, I was like, what is going on here? Uh, I had been like interested in her for a year and very ready to marry her. I mean, not even date. Let's just skip right to the marrying. Now she's transferring. She's moving. And so she transfers. She had a full scholarship to OBU, so she transferred. She gets there, and they started a week earlier than UAM. And she's there for a week, and she calls me, and she said, Philip, I don't know why, but I think I've made a mistake. And I said, well, I love you so much. No, I'm just playing. I didn't say that. I said, I love Monticello so much that I think I would be biased in giving you my opinion on what you should do. Because, I mean, I can't tell her not to go to probably, possibly the best university in the state. That's what I said. And later she was like, man, I thought you were a jerk for not wanting to talk to me in my time of need. But my roommate, or actually we had a friend there at the house, and so she said, well, let me talk to him. He was a professor there at the university. And... uh, and he said, well, of course I love UAM, I'm working here, it's a great university, if this is where you want to be, then you should consider it, but I'm not going to tell you what to do. A few days later, it, that was a Friday, on Monday, I see her driving on campus, and I'm like, yes, second chance, the Lord has brought me a second chance, so I wave at her, she waves, we pull over, I hug her, and that was it, I mean, there was no going back after that, and... um And so she uh, actually married me, believe it or not. But when I was given that second chance with Rose, I took it. I was not going to let it slip through my fingers. And I say that to say this. Some second chances seem insignificant. Some second chances seem like the weight of the world is on them. And all I can tell you to do is to be faithful. When God gives you a second chance, take it. What is going on in your life right now where you have a second chance? Some things seem very final, and in in a way, they are. But if God can take the most amazing thing that has ever happened to this earth, which is God becoming man, if he can take his son and turn his death on a cross into a glorious act by which all man can be saved, if he can do that with the death of God on a cross, then what can he do for us when we don't get the second chance? When we don't get the second chance, we trust God even if it's agonizing, even if it's difficult, and we don't have to do it without any sort of, uh, weakness, or reservation, or uh, difficulty—sometimes trusting God is hard. Sometimes trusting God is is extremely difficult. That's why it takes faith. That's why it takes trust in order to follow Him the right way. If your life is all about very simple, easy choices where nothing ever goes wrong and where you never have a hard time trusting God, then you must not be living the way the Bible says that we are supposed to live. Because if we are living according to his word, then we are going to be faced with extremely difficult decisions, extremely difficult situations. Jesus himself, if anybody was perfect, right? He, He was perfect. In the garden, the night before his death, Here he is, so intense in prayer that he began to sweat blood. Here he is, begging God, if there is any other way, let this cup pass. Take this cup from me. It was not an easy decision. It was something that was difficult. It was something that that, that took everything in him in order to go through with it. And yet after his time of prayer, after his time with God, he emerged from the garden ready. And so what do we do in here this morning? If we, if God gave us a chance and that is gone, we go to him in prayer. We go to him and beg him for strength. We go to him and we pray we communicate with him in whatever way we know how. We don't have to have some written down prayer. We don't have to have some eloquently stated sentences to God. We can come to him and just cry. God, help me. Where are you, Lord? We can just be honest with him. He can take it. He's God. But when God gives us the second chance, then we go to him, and no matter how difficult, no matter how odd he's the thing he's asking us to do we need to make sure it lines up with scripture we need to make sure that it's what God desires and not just what our minds are coming up with but if we know that God is telling us to do something and he has given us a second chance then we do it did we do it we count the cost we know what it's going to take for us to obey that if you have had a problem with addiction then you know there are going to be withdrawals You know it's going to be very difficult to do what's right, to stay sober. You know that you're you're probably going to lose some friends if that's something that you've been doing with friends. You count the cost. You know what it's going to cost you if you obey God, and you obey him anyway, and you trust him with the outcome. Maybe you're in here, and you've had an opportunity to love people, to be kind to people, and you haven't taken that opportunity, And, and you've treated people in a way that you shouldn't have. And you know that it's going to be extremely difficult to change who you are. That your, your personality is demeaning, maybe. Your personality is mean. And you know it's going to cost you a lot to change that. But you do it. You go to God and you give Him your weakness and you profess your weakness to Him. And, and in your weakness, He can reveal His strength. Even in in the song, Jesus Loves Me, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, For the Bible Tells Me So. Right? Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Even in a simple song like that, we are taught that we should be open about our weakness. So what's your weakness right now? Give it to God and obey him in whatever he's calling you to do. Obey him in whatever the second chance is. Whether you're here this morning and you have done something in your life where there's no returning from it, and I think that most of us in here, if not all of us, have experiences like that, where we have done something and we can choose our actions, but we can't can't choose the consequences. The mistakes that we have made are final or the sins that we have made are final. There's not going to be a second chance. If that's the case then go to God right now. I can think of people I've hurt in my past that I can't undo it. I might not ever get a second chance to even restore the relationship that I once had with those people. So what do I do? Well, first, I ask for forgiveness from those people, but I also repent. I go to the Lord and I confess my sins to him, and I turn from those sins, and I make sure that I'm not treating future people in the same way. And so whether your chance is over and gone or whether you have a second chance or a third chance or a fourth chance or a fifth chance, wherever you are, let's take it. Let's not wait for the storm. Let's not wait for the fish. Let's just take the second chance right now. If you know what's right and you know what God desires for you to do or what God desires for you not to do, then do it or don't do it. Let's take the second chance right now. We're going to have... A prayer right now and then after that prayer we're going to have a time of invitation and during that invitation if you need prayer if if you want to come to the altar and and get on your knees and confess your sins to God if you want to ask God for a second chance or a fifth chance or whatever or if you want to commit to God that you are going to obey with the second chance that you have currently whatever it is and however you need to respond that's between you and God but let's say a prayer. And then after the prayer, we'll have our invitation. Lord, we love you. And God, I thank you for giving Nineveh a second chance. And you gave Nineveh a second chance by giving Jonah a second chance. And I thank you that Jonah took that opportunity and that he came, that he went ahead and and went to Nineveh and he spoke the word that you gave to him. And God, I thank you that the Ninevites repented. But Lord, right now, there is not some ancient story. There is the current story of where we are. And Lord, some of us in here, we need you. Lord, we have done things where there was no second chance, and we need your mercy. We need your love. We need your grace. Uh, We need you to help us to make the best of a bad situation. Lord, and then there are some of us in here who have received a second chance, and we weren't even faithful with the second chance or the third chance. Lord, forgive us. Lord, don't give up on us. Give us another chance, Lord. Give us an opportunity to make our our wrongs right as as best as as we can through the power of your Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, I I pray that for those of us in here who have another opportunity of obedience, that we would take it. Lord, help us to, to live for you, to obey you, no matter how difficult, no matter what the cost, help us to remain faithful to you or to become faithful to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.